morning. Welcome to our observance of Laity Sunday. And this is a time for Methodists who are not clergy to lead our worship service. And Sylvia and I appreciate all of those who are participating in the services today. We hope that you will register your attendance on the pew pad as it passes, visitors and members alike. And we also hope you will make an opportunity to speak to each other before you leave today. There are some announcements that I would like to mention. Um, first of all, our youth are returning from a retreat today, so we pray for their safe return. Council on Ministries has an important meeting this afternoon at 4.30 in the UMW room. Christmas choir rehearsals begin Wednesday night at 7.30, and many of you should be there. Uh, Jessica's been hearing about all the lovely voices in the congregation, so she's saving you a seat in the Christmas choir. This Wednesday night at 7.30. <clears throat> there is also our blood drive, October the 24th from 10 to 2, and there's sign-up sheets available for that. And if you have an item for the newsletter, the November newsletter, that deadline is tomorrow. So if you'll please get those to June in the office. And it's time to sign up for basketball. And I realized the bulletin this week said baseball, so I had to call Lee Dumas and make sure that I knew just a little bit about sports and knew that it wasn't baseball sign-up, but basketball sign-up, and he said it is. And that's all being done online, and if you have questions about that, you can uh, talk with Lee. Let us now begin our time of worship.
This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please remain standing as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed on page 881. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and Would the children come forward, please, and join Craig Dittmar for this time with the young church.
Good morning. I'm glad you're all here today. And I want to thank some of you for singing last Sunday that was, gave us some beautiful music in this church. <clears throat> the sermon today that Mr. Barbary is going to do is called 316, Numbers of Hope. Who knows what 316 means? Does anybody know? John 316 is probably the most famous Bible verse in the whole world. I'm going to go a little bit farther, though, and I just want you to think of hope. Now, how many here have mommies and daddies? Of course you do. Have you ever fallen down and skinned your knee? Have you ever fallen down and skinned your elbow? You have? It hurts, doesn't it? Yes. Now, what do you do when you fall down and you skin your knee and you, you hurt? What do you do? You wash it off? Do you go to anybody? Does anybody take care of it? Yes. Your mommy or daddy? Mm -hmm. Do they ever say, push you away and say, ah, get away from me? No. No. Yeah. No. They do? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I won't say who said that. No, no. Um, and I guess what I, what I want to say is that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. And that is a very hopeful thing. And what I'm trying to get across is if God can send his Son, your mommies and daddies love you that much too. And, but God loves us even more. I remember, and, and the other thing I wanted to ask is when, they, when you come running to them and you're hurting, what do they do? What do they do first thing? What's the first thing they do? They come running to you, don't they? And what do they do when they get there? They help you. I remember when my little boy and my little girl would fall down, and they'd be, oh, daddy, daddy, daddy. And I'd, have, and I'd come and give them a big hug. Because the verse that I want to talk about is not 316, but 317. And I think that I just want to point out something. And it says... For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And I think sometimes we look at our mommies and daddies when we're hurting and when people are picking on you and teasing you. You come to your mommy and daddy and they wrap you up in their arms and they, you hope that they will save you from all the bad things in the world. Well, God sent his son Jesus to do the same thing for us. So that no matter what happens, ever, Jesus is going to wrap you up in his arms and save you. So as long as we believe in Jesus, we are safe no matter where we go. Nobody can do anything to us. Okay, let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for sending your son to us. Though we know that when we fall down, though for the final time, we know that Jesus is there to wrap us in his arms. In Christ's name, amen. Please stand and turn your hymnals to page 818 for the responsive reading. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for the Lord has done marvelous things. God's right hand and holy arm have gotten the victory. The Lord has declared a victory and has revealed his vindication in the sight of the nations. The Lord has remembered his steadfast love and faith and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. 
with the trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the ruler of the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, who comes to judge the earth. The Lord will judge the world for righteousness and the peoples with equity. We have a very special blessing in store for us this morning. The West Family Gospel Singing Group um, is uh, part of the family in that uh, they, I understand, are responsible for raising Kelly, partially raising Kelly, our Kelly Watson, uh, trying to raise our Kelly Watson, I should, maybe I should say. Um, they are from StarTex. They attend Lyman Methodist Church. And um, as I said, we're in store for a special blessing as they bring our special music now.
to take us Thank you, West family, for that singing. It's beautiful. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Creator, Lord, our God, thank you for coming to this earth as Christ, as God made man, to pour out yourself on the cross so that we as sinners may worship eternally with you one day. In the beginning, you desired a relationship with us, and through those relationships, you desire us to talk to you through prayer. And you know our prayers before we come to you. It's just an opportunity for us to seek your face and your will. And obviously, as a group of people, we all have, we have joy and pain and hurt and, and loss. And, and we have great things going on. But God, you're there through, through all of those with us. And we're so thankful for your presence and we're so thankful that you've blessed us as a people. And be with those that are not here with us today and give them an opportunity to get back here or to get into a house somewhere at some time and to be willing to worship you and to fall on their knees and to look up. God, help us to pray as you would have us to pray, as you ask the disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Again, I'd like to welcome everyone here today. It's so nice to see everyone, uh, and it's such a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. Um, again, we'd like to thank the West family for being with us today. They are going to again bless us with their music as we now worship God by the giving of our tithes and offerings. loves me this I know for the Bible it tells me so little ones to him He will wash 
I'd like to welcome and introduce Steve Barbary, our speaker today, before the reading of our scripture lesson. Many of you already know Steve. He is a most requested Sunday school teacher, and he has blessed many of us with his inspiring lessons. Steve joined our church around 1979 and immediately became a very active member. He served on the Family Life Committee, the Leisure Committee, the Financial Committee, the Council on Ministries, the Administrative Board, and as a charter member of the Methodist Men. He's been teaching Sunday school regularly for the past four years, and he's been singing in the choir for the last year. He is a member of the Adults Unlimited Sunday School class, and he's helped organize many golf tournaments for charity, among them our own Relay for Life golf tournament. Steve has worked in textile manufacturing for the last 30 years. He is currently a quality control environmental manager for Palmetto Finishing. Steve was a frequent visitor in my home when I was growing up. He and my younger brother have a friendship that dates back more than 40 years. I'm proud to call Steve my friend, and I have been blessed by Steve's lessons and his actions. Steve, thank you so much for sharing with us today. We appreciate you. The scripture reading found in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. This selection can be found on page 1649 of your pew Bibles. In this scripture, the Pharisee Nicodemus visits Jesus at night to learn from the master teacher. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miracle, miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Sylvia. When Sylvia called and asked if I would consider giving the laity sermon today, my first thought was, why me? And I had one of those Moses moments, to say the least, because I said, there has to be someone else who would be better suited for this. But as I thought about her offer, I realized that this is how God will many times put us in situations in our lives that takes us out of our normal routines and and. And while I'm not scared to death right now, I am a little bit uncomfortable standing up here. So please pray for me as I go through the day. But it is an honor to stand here today in a pulpit that so many pastors in our past have graced. And, and Arthur, I include you in that, in that group of men there. Great pastors. And it, it is an honor to be standing here to, today. 
And I'm thankful for the opportunity to speak to you today. And hopefully as you leave today, you will go with thoughts on just how special the God that we serve can be. I chose as my topic this morning, 316, The Numbers of Hope. And for you Max Licato fans, he published a book under this title. And after I read the book, I realized that this simple verse in a short, concise 26 words simply paints a picture of undeserved, unconditional, and unwavering love from a father to his children. It's a simple verse that we learned as a child, and it's the one verse of Scripture that when we just simply hear or see the Numbers 316, the verse readily comes to us, and we can recite that with pretty much of ease. But as we heard in the Scripture reading this morning, Nicodemus, he's one of the Pharisees, the religious elite who had rejected Jesus, and he's been searching for him. And he's found him in a back alley room. He's meeting with his followers, and he's been looking for Jesus for some time because he wants to know, who is this man? What is he all about? Why are large crowds being attracted to him every day? Because you see, Nicodemus kind of, uh, Jesus kind of goes against what Nicodemus' vision of the man of God should be because he does not hang out with the royalty. He hangs out with the outcast of society in most cases. He hangs out with the tax collectors and the lepers and the, and the prostitutes. He hangs out with those people that we would say are down on their luck. And all his research has convinced him that good efforts and hard work will pay off. And God will take care of you if you just say the right things and do the right things. Look the part, and the ending will be good for you. However, the scripture lesson today that Sylvia read is considered by many to be one of the more famous conversations that is recorded in the Bible because, you see, his first encounter with Jesus revealed to him that he had been somewhat wrong, that the truth for eternal life lay in being born again. And we find in John 3.16, it's saying, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now you may be saying to yourself, well, I know this. I learned this verse as a child, and, and, you know, why is he going to talk about this today? And yes, our roadmap to eternal life is based on belief, but I also think we need that reminder at times of just exactly what this verse reminds us of and how great it is because it's for how God treats us. And it lets us know that he loves us, that he gave, and if we believe, we're going to live. And that's pretty simple, isn't it? Or is it? I sometimes honestly do not feel that I deserve the deal that has been put forth with this verse because there have been times in my life when I have left God for long periods of time. I didn't want him to interfere in my life because I had everything under control. I knew where I was going. I knew how I was going to get there, and I had the plan, or so I thought. I spent many of an afternoon in my dorm room at Gardner-Webb back in the late 70s just thinking about where would life lead me? And where would I be at the age of 30 and 40 and 50? What would I be doing? And I'm telling you now that things did not go as I planned. But now that is not a bad thing because I think there are times in our life when God has to reel us back in and teach us and let us know by his loving grace that there's some things more important in life than what we think there may be. Oh, there's been times when I really questioned if God loved me or even cared about what I was going through. I've been angered and disgusted at times because, you know what, he was just not listening to me. I had the plan. I knew where I was going, and I wasn't getting there. And as far as I was concerned, he was gone. Where was he when I needed him the most? But I have now come to understand he never went anywhere. He was always there, and it was me who had deserted him. He was just allowing me to work through all the struggles of life that each one of us in here go through every day. And I see that his love sometimes is a tough love. 
In, in my case, it helped me to grow stronger with what I was dealing with at the time in my life and hopefully will help me to deal with what lays ahead in my future. You see, John 3.16 tells us one thing, and that is he loves the world so much that he doesn't look at what color of skin we have. He doesn't care what side of the tracks we grew up on. He includes everyone, the rich, the poor, you, me, the list goes on. The great thing is he loves us for who we are. And he offers that unconditional love that we so desperately seek in our lives many times. And I ask you, where can you find a better deal in today's world? We're blessed to serve and follow a God who loves us that much. And he asks that we do that to others. There have been times in my life when I got to the point of knowing, not knowing which direction to turn. I was going nowhere on my own. I was spinning my wheels and just getting more frustrated by the day. And I finally got to that low point in life to where you have to just simply turn it over to him. And that's one of the hardest things I think it is to do is to finally turn everything that's over to him. But it would always seem like that someone unexpectedly would show up in my life at that time and become a rock for me to rely on. And I always wondered, where did they come from? Why did they come into my life? And now as I look back, I understand it was God who sent them into my life. And that's how his, work, his love works for us many times. He knows we are weak. He knows that we sometimes need direction. And I think these people he sends into our life, I can refer to them as angels because they always seem to be the experts on what we are going through. And, and they're able to say the right things to us and, and know how to give us direction. I share this story. A few years ago, the company I worked for closed the doors to the plant where I was working. I'd been with the company 26 years, and I had the opportunity to relocate to Lancaster, South Carolina. Now, for you who know Lancaster, that is a place you cannot get there from here. It's about 90 miles down the road, and it, it's just, you can't get there. And for those who know me, will tell you that I am a homebody, and I'm not very receptive to change, and I love Greer. And I tell people many times that this is the promised land for me. Therefore, I had mixed emotions about going. It was hard to make a change after being in the area almost 50 years. Shoot, every house I've lived in since I was a child has been within a couple of miles of each other. I've never lived on this side of 29, so you can see that I do not stray far. I stay pretty well set in my patterns. And at first, I had a difficult time adjusting down there because I felt I was losing contact with my family, my friends, community, the church here. And it got to the point that when I came home on the weekends, I did not want to be here. I wanted to be in that recliner watching TV on Sunday morning. I could find better things to do. I could come up with all kinds of excuses not to be here on Sunday morning. But while talking to a coworker one afternoon, just out of the blue, he said, Steve, why don't we meet in my office at 745 every morning and just have a short devotion and prayer just to ask God to help us with our emotions and to give us the strength to make it through the day. To be honest with you, up to that point in my life, I had really never sat down with anyone and talked about what God meant to me personally. I'd always been quiet and private about my relationship with God and, and just really got along, just going with the flow, flying under the radar. And I could really play the part and I could look the part, but kind of like Nicodemus today, I was searching, thinking there has to be something to this puzzle that I am missing. But Rick was a source of strength. As his strong relationship with God taught me, you should never, never be afraid to speak about what God means to you personally when you have the opportunity. 20 people were soon cramming into his office each morning for that devotion. It became a source of strength for each one of us in there because we were able to talk about the tough times, the sad times, and the happy times. And what was so amazing, the group came from all different types of religious backgrounds. We had Baptists, 
We had Methodist. We had Church of God. We had Free Will Baptist, Free Will Methodist. And in Lancaster, there are a lot of Free Will churches down there. But the one thing I could see was how special God was to these people in that group. And I felt as though God was saying to me, you dummy, just sit back, take this all in, and try to learn something. And oh, I learned something from this because what I saw was unwavering faith in times of utter devastation in people's lives, who sometimes because of layoffs or just bad luck, and if you've been around the textile industry, there seems like there's a layoff every day. Some people were down to their last pennies and didn't know how they were going to make that next payment, and they did not know what tomorrow held for them. But the one thing I saw was they never lost touch with their source of strength. They made a point of putting God first and putting others first before themselves, always trusting that he would lead them in the right direction always thanking him for all the blessings in their life. And as the blacks would sometimes say, just Jesus, thank you for letting our feet hit the ground this morning. It was an amazing group of people that he put me around for those three years. I'll always remember Patricia. She was a small black lady. She was about 65. And she uh, worked in the warehouse for me. She lived alone. She had two sons who rarely visited her. She was just basically there on her own a very sincere woman of tremendous faith who was lonely, she fought medical issues, and she just struggled to make ends meet. But I'll tell you one thing about Patricia that I learned from her. There was not a day that went by that she did not have a smile on her face and live large for the Lord. And she would always tell me on Monday, Steve, I was at church yesterday all day and I was working for my Lord and she was a special lady. But she took me over to the side one morning and said something to me that brought such a comfort to me that to this day, I cannot explain it. She, she told me, and she looked me straight in the eyes now, and she said, Steve, I am praying for you every day. And I am praying that you're going to be able to find a job closer back home. I know you're not happy down here, but I am praying for you every day. And she said, don't you forget this. God is good. And God will look out for you. Now, you don't understand that right now because you can't see it. But God is working in your life, and you just do not realize it. Be patient. You'll see. And she said this, young man, and that's what she called me. She said, young man, God loves you. He loves you. I honestly believe to this day that I was standing there talking to an angel of God because I had never had more sincere words spoken to me. It was like a wake-up call to me. And I don't know if you've ever had someone just look you straight in the eye and tell you God loves you. What does this all mean? Well, it means that God never deserted me. He knew I was weak. He knew I was struggling down there and, and that I was doubting his presence in my life. And he should have really been angry that I would even question that but I saw his love, and I knew that he loved me because for the next three years, he sent people into my life that got me through those tough times down there. And when I questioned, he never got angry when I questioned and asked, how in the world did I end up in Lancaster, South Carolina, sitting alone in an apartment at night at the age of 50? Bottom line, he taught me a lesson of his tremendous love. His love that we many times cannot understand or even fathom because of how large it is. He taught me to appreciate what I had at home. He taught me to how important family and church are. Those things that we take for granted so many times until we are away from them. He had to take me away from home and allow me to look from the outside to see what I was missing on the inside. But he did teach me one big lesson down there, and probably the largest lesson of all, and that is plans can change in an instant and turn on a dime. And where we think we are headed sometimes may not be the direction he's going to carry us, and we end up in places we think could have never thought we would be there. But it's working for him, and it's good. 
And thank goodness he has the road map for my life. And I have finally come to realize after all these years, about 52 years on earth here, that if you follow his map, you'll never be lost. And as I reflect back on those three and a half years from home, I thank him for being him, a God of love who still thinks that I am worth it and that I can deserve his, and that I can receive his grace, which I do not deserve. He has sent his son to the cross to pay the ultimate sacrifice for each one of us in this room. Our salvations have been taken care of. And as the song says, what a friend we have in Jesus. John 3.16 also tells us whoever believes will not perish. There's no distinction here of who is going to receive the blessing of eternal life. It says whoever believes. And the opportunity is there for each one of us today. But have you ever questioned exactly who is a whoever? Well, it's you. It's me. It's that neighbor who's lost his job. It's that teen who made a mistake. It's that drug addict who thought it would never end this way. It's that husband and wife who are going through divorce and they cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel, only pain. And it's those that we think are lost and just down on their luck right now. It's also the most Christian of the Christians, those de dedicated, faithful followers of Christ. It includes everyone. It makes no distinction. The good thing is whoever's do not need to be heroes. They don't have to be. But they have to say yes to God. I do believe. I do believe you sent your son to the cross to die for me. I'm a sinner. And I want to change my life, the way I'm doing things. Michael Jackson had a song in the 90s which was titled The Man in the Mirror. And the lyrics simply tell us that there are times in our life when we have to look at what is around us and realize that we may need to make changes in the way we do things or the way we think and what we do. But the first person and the first place we have to go is to look at the man in the mirror. And you know, sometimes that is the last person we want to see, isn't it? Ourselves in the mirror. Because we see all the blemishes, all our faults, and we try to rationalize, well, maybe we haven't done some things as we should. And we think, how can God love us when we have fallen short so many times? And we start to think about the would-haves and the could-haves and the should-haves of our lives, things that we wish we had done. But the good thing here is that God already knows our hearts. He knows if we believe. And he cannot be fooled. And we cannot hide from the invitation that John 3.16 gives us. An invitation to come follow him, believe in him, trust in him, and have eternal life. All he asks is that we take the first step. Sometimes that's the hardest step. Trust that he will be there and waiting when we need to regroup or reorganize our lives. In closing, eternal life is something that I used to think was just way off in the distance. But as I have gotten older and grown older, I realize that it is something that I desperately want. Life is good on this earth, but where we are going, there is going to be so much more to look forward to because there's going to be no pain and suffering. There's going to be no recessions. There's going to be no wars. There's going to be no jealousy. There's going to be no divorce, no drugs, and the list just goes on and on. Compared to eternal life, we are only here for a short time on this earth, very short, to do God's work, to teach future generations of God's love. And, and we are just passing through this life to get to the prize. And do we make the most of it? Or do we just set it on cruise control and hope we get by? As we all know in this room, we are not promised tomorrow. And the invitation of John 3.16 is only extended as long as we are on this earth to take that opportunity. And do we gamble with our days or do we accept the invitation and get to work? It's our choice, you know. I would suggest that we do not wait because God wants us to be good stewards of what he's blessed us with while we're on this earth and to work hard for him 
during this lifetime. Martin Luther once said, the best prescription for the head and, and the heart is not treated with medicine, but it's contained in the words of John 3.16. And Nicodemus took his fair share of that prescription because he was the one who showed up with Joseph of Arimathea at Jesus' burial to handle it. And that was no small gesture being the Antichrist movement of that day. And when word got out that Jesus had left the tomb and was back on his feet, I would imagine old Nicodemus had a smile on his face because he thought back to that first night that he met Jesus in that back alley room. Things had come full circle for him. And he most likely thought, born again, who would have thought that he would start with himself? My friends, that is the greatest example of his love to us, that he would be the first to die so that we might live. It's been said, if you know nothing of the Bible, John 3.16 is a good place to start. If you're a biblical scholar and you know everything about the Bible, this is not a bad place to come to for that reminder. And we all need that reminder, 3.16, our numbers for hope. Amen.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.